coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast, our front nine has our co-host back, Michael, back with us to talk about all the craziness in golf, John Rom to live, live winners getting wins overseas, no agreement in sight, and the future of golf fandom, big time in question. We get into all that, plus what's going on in the world of golf outside of the PGA and live. This week's featured guest is NFL veteran Cedric Griffin. That's right. He won a national championship here at the University of Texas in Austin in 2005. He played seven years in the league. He's got amazing stories from his career and an interesting post-NFL career in the world of barbecue as well. And when we always end with food, it's a date night recap and we're talking latkes in honor of the season. All of it brought to you by our friends at Desert Fox Golf. Mike just got on the horn with Desert Fox Golf recently. We'll be seeing them soon at the PGA Show in January in Orlando to top off the business year as we always do. Desert Fox has been a longtime partner, not only of the show, but of our content. We love the guys there and we support all the great products they make for golfers from the phone caddy, the swing eight tumbler, the cigar holder and everything else you can get at desertfoxgolf.com. They are not only a great gift right now for the holiday golfer in your life that you need to shop for, but they are also great for large-scale golf events. So if you're planning a golf event next year or you have a member guest or a fun event in your club that you think needs some really cool swag in their swag bags, be sure to hit us up on Instagram. Just send us a message at COL Podcast with the event info. We'll take care of the rest to connect you and the event to the Desert Fox team. And if that event happens and they book Desert Fox golf gear, you get a cash referral. That's right, a cash referral just for telling us about a future golf event. Again, DM us at COL Podcast. And thanks again to our friends at Desert Fox Golf. interwebs and welcome to course of life we are proud to be presented by our friends at desert box golf and the live take app i'm michael he's alex i'm back alex big thank you to elizabeth diane veith for filling in for me last yes, week as right. i was unavailable uh she's gonna be on uh, on the bench for whenever we need someone uh, someone's gonna be out for a while so um glad to see that she's well more more than capable to fill my shoes and uh is significantly more knowledgeable than I am. She's absolutely the the official, unofficial third mic of the show. We love having yep. her on. She's always great for us uh, in plan or in a pinch. Uh, we appreciate having her on. She gave some great, great takes too. And and last week was just like the tip of the iceberg uh, for the yep. drama that was about to hit the world of golf. We really, we really got into a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of nastiness in the world of golf right now. Let's just say that. That that's true. Uh, Hanukkah came early for John Rom. Mm, well said. Nice transition <laughs> and, uh, there. Yeah, yeah he got. Somewhere in the neighborhood of four to six hundred million dollars to go back on every single thing he said over the course of the year about how horrible Live was, how horrible the <laughs> format was, yep. how great the PGA Tour is, how legacy is important, and he said. I am going to put on this live letter jacket and put on a face and take my money and go to the bank and give my family eons of security thanks yeah. to dirty oil money from the Saudi Arabians. How do we think John Rahm came to this moment, for, which, by the way, it looks like he said uh, on the John McAfee show that this was simply a business decision. Oh yeah, it was there was business involved, especially when you have all those zeros, and, and it's yeah. just that that annoying thing that I hate to say that becomes more and more true with every day I get older, is that everyone has a number, everyone has a price where they will throw their morals and their obligations or anything they believe formally out the door, and John Rahm was proof of that. Like you said, just going back on everything he'd said in prior press conferences about not being interested in live the format, the tour, where his history and legacy is in the PGA Tour. He was a hypocrite uh, with, with all of that, absolutely. And it's just uh, another gigantic domino here in the separation, which feels like a continuation of a separation. We had talked about that moment when suddenly you know, Jay Monahan and MBS were talking about a live merger with the PGA Tour, but I, I still feel like we're continually getting more and more separate between the PGA Tour and live as the weeks and months go on. 
Yeah, this is particularly interesting because, of course, when they originally announced this de- the framework agreement, uh, they also said that they weren't Liv wasn't going to poach and Liv was going to drop the lo- everyone was going to drop their lawsuits. Right. Yep. And then they dropped that anti-poaching agreement because that was kind of very antitrust and they didn't want the, the courts to get involved. But you would think that Liv would still be like, you know what, we're just not going to do it anyway. <laughs> But here they are doing this, and this gives Liv so much leverage, so much over the PGA Tour. Now, it's top it's three golfer in the world in the prime of his career, just a, the reigning Masters champion, um, and and so much so that even Rory McIlroy just came out and said that they need to change the rules of the Ryder Cup to make sure John Rahm plays. <laughs> Rory, Rory, I mean. <laughs> Rory, for, for his loyalty to the PGA Tour, I know. Rory has also had takes that have now gone in seven different directions on his I, own. He I, doesn't even know what to think anymore. I feel so bad. Out of everybody in all of this, I feel the worst for Rory McIlroy because he went from the poster – he went from the acting commissioner of the PGA Tour to – you know, I feel like what they did to him is they took a bag of shit and lit it on fire and left it at his door. Yeah, and did it did a ding and ditch. <laughs> Got served a bad plate of that for sure, and he's I been mean, all up in the, the news coverage as a result because of him being one of those those uh, aff- affirmative and aforementioned voices of the PGA yeah. Tour. The whole thing has been quite the mess indeed. As for circling back, where Rom may have gotten influence, the the two names that come to my mind that have been live advocates pretty much since the beginning: Phil Mickelson, Mike. Don't forget Phil Mickelson's brother Tim was John mm-hmm. Rom's college coach. A lot of Arizona connection there. And we can't forget that Spanish connection. Sergio yeah. and John Rom are as close as they've been um, for years, and they've yeah. known they've known each other forever. So it, it, he had those two guys in his ear, definitely to help push him over the edge. Yeah, it's uh, I'm you know still upset at how all of this is playing out, but I think I'm quickly becoming part of the minority in this. It seems and let. Probably, uh, you know, we'll see where all this goes, because it, uh, my first question when I saw this is, is did this mean live in the PGA Tour deal is dead? But it, it doesn't seem like it is. Uh, PGA Tour also lost Wells Fargo as a sponsor after that's what, 30 one. years for the Wells Fargo championship. So that's gone. But the PGA Tour did announce that they're going to be moving forward with uh, that that new group of investors as a third kind of a third mm, wheel. Not sketchy at all, right? Yeah, with uh, with PIF. So you're going to have the Saudis and you're going to have a whole bunch of people, including John Henry and Fenway Sports, including Arthur Blank, who's the owner of the uh, the uh, Atlanta Falcons, including the owner of the Mets as well is in this group. So you got a you got a very interesting group of uh, American sport ownerships. Uh, getting in bed with the PIF and the and trying to get the PGA Tours assets in their uh, in their back pockets here. So definitely, yeah. And there's kind of more confusion that that um, that's amassed in the last couple of weeks because we've now seen on international level exemptions given out to yeah. some current live players who have taken advantage. When, when you were gone, Joaquin Neiman won down in Australia, going to boost his world ranking a ton. Maybe get him into a lot more events that he wasn't in prior. Louis Oosthuizen just won in South Africa. So what, while these doors are closing in some spots, they're also opening for live players to get to get themselves back in the rotation. And the bottom line of this all, Mike, is you know who isn't getting talked about at all is us, the fan, the consumers yeah. of this game that have been watching week in and week out for years and decades of our lives. I, I, just speaking more boldly beyond the politics of it all, the future right now for golf fans who enjoy watching the professional game through television or any platform is very, very grim at, at this exact moment right now. Yeah, what what scares me to a certain extent is that if you're going to have all this money pumped into the PGA Tour, how do you make it profitable? And does that mean that we start seeing more ads on golf telecasts? Do we see more pay to watch of golf? Yeah, Ticket prices go up at events because, again, Wells Fargo is out because they said they don't want to pay for this larger event pool that they're now being asked to do because the sponsors are the ones having to pump more cash into the winning the winners take. Yeah. So, uh, you know, how is this model going to be sustainable is kind of the question I'm starting to have is all these dominoes start falling uh, for good or for bad. And like the future years of golf, just in general on TV, what's this all going to look like? I mean, Mm -hmm. for an analogy, crossing sports, Mike, this is as if 
you know, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen all decided to get up and go play in a random football league the, that the also XFL. was on Sunday. The XFL. Yeah, it, it's just like you, you <laughs> couldn't possibly fracture the professional game more right now. Do majors mean less because of people that are, mm. are aren't in fields? Do live events mean more, less, or do we not care? I don't. We don't. I don't even know what I don't know right now at this point. The bottom line is that we're, we're just splitting this game this game off into two very very fractured pieces. And you know, while there's this quote unquote agreement in place, we're not seeing any of it come to, to fruition at all. Yeah, you know, the next few weeks is going to be uh, it's going to be a firecracker going off as as they reach the end of their their window here. They said by the end of December is right, yeah. kind of a hard deadline for this deal to happen. And it seems like there's been a lot of feet dragging. We've heard a lot about Patrick Kentley having his hand on on the button for a lot of what's been going on. A supposed hundred million dollar pool, right, or a billion dollar pool to make the PGA Tour players whole again, I think was the number. I'm forgetting what wow. it was, but it was Jeez. massive of this like we're going to make the PGA tour guys who didn't go to live whole by given having this huge pool of money. Uh, of course, Rory dropped out of the player advisory board. So maybe, you know, he saw that he wasn't, he wasn't going to win anymore. I, I, he said it was because of family and, and professional commitments, but I think, I think Rory left because he was betrayed. So and exhausted. Yep. <laughs> and exhausted. It was just like, this is enough. Patrick Hanley can do what he wants, whatever. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, so many questions over the next few weeks as we, we wrap up the season as if the holiday season isn't stressful enough, Alex. <laughs> right. I know they're dropping all this in December, which is usually pretty quiet. I mean, and here I am going to transition to a, to a little fun hit and giggle in Naples, Florida, but yeah. that was pretty much all that was going on this past weekend. But, uh, but I need to highlight it because of what it is and, yes. and, and we're, while we're at this whole, this crappy divide right now in the game of golf, one thing that you and I have been pitching forever is, forever. for Christ's sake, can the LPGA and the PGA Tour put something together where men yep. and women are out there playing at the exact same time the best golf in the world? This is the first step in the right direction, this Grant Thor mm -hmm. shootout, reimagining the format to have a LPGA player and a PGA player playing side-by-side -side in a two-person team is exactly the kind of stuff that we would like to see grow the game professionally in a few years. Yes. I mean, obviously what I really want is a Ryder Cup style LPGA, PGA Tour, DP World Tour. Just put them all together out there and have a team with men and women on it playing together. I and mean, that's what yeah. we want to see, really. That's what I want. Um, but this was the the next best thing. And Lydia Ko and Jason Day to, to the rescue. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, the, the ladies know this course very well. I've been there. This is where they have the CME, their season ending event in November to determine the big prize pool. So a few weeks later, they re-tee it up with the boys here. And it's a really cool format. Uh, neat to see Ricky Fowler and Lexi Thompson playing together. Uh, definitely brought some galleries out for sure. And just the idea that we can have the best women and the best men teeing it up side by side. Uh, we've been beating this drum for years, but this needs to be a mid-season Yes. Counts for real event, both yes. on the LPGA Tour and the PGA Tour. We have 80, 80, 80 PGA Tour players, 80 LPGA players. You can make your pairings with your friends or you can just get paired up, just like they do in the Zurich Classic. That would be a home run event that, that's got to come to the, the game of golf in the near future. I don't, I don't know why they're dragging their feet on this. I really don't. It's right this there. I'm just, just I'm, I've laid it all out for you. We've I, already done it in smaller yeah. iterations. It's, it's on, on the tip of everyone's nose right now. We know how to do it. We just need a course to do it. And you know where it would be great to do this in the fall mm. before the end of the season? Augusta. Yes. And keep that bringing would be it up. Nice. Get the women at Augusta. I think there should be a women's fall masters because we've seen how gorgeous it is there in the fall with all the leaves changing color. You just need to make it happen, Augusta. You need to make it happen. That's I the other thing that. I want. I want a, I want an official PGA tour, LPGA tour event, and I want an official LPGA event at Augusta. That's see, see there, there. That's the yin and yang of the golf, golf world right now. L yeah. Little picture, things are cruddy, and we don't know what the future is. Big picture, there, there's some exciting things coming around the corner. That's right. Let's talk about YouTube because if uh, you you played 18 holes at TPC Sawgrass uh, on I a did. simulator, mind yep. you, on a, How on about a simulator. That finish? I'm not going to give it away, <laughs> but my buddy Anthony had an unbelievable finish. And I mean, what better holes to do it than 17 I mean, and 18 at Sawgrass, right? Better than most is yes, all I'll say. Indeed. Better than yeah. most. 
Yeah, that was last week's video. This week, uh, we're doing, a, I'm starting a little, little mini series within the channel. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. If you're a video watcher, you'll see our content by now, but subscribe to Course of Life Podcast on YouTube. I'm calling it Texas Towns, Mike. There's so many little towns here in Central Texas that are within a drive of Austin where I am, where you can see some really cool stuff. And you can see some interesting golf-related stuff. So this is the first install installation of that in Lago Vista. And, and to tease, not only are we golfing, not only are we eating barbecue and Tex-Mex fusion, but we're playing slot machines in Texas. It doesn't get any more random than that. Yet you you might wonder how that's even legal. Well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to tune in and, and find out later this week. The uh, PGA Tour has another uh, little hit and giggle event going on, but the one I, I want to touch on first, Alex, actually, is the final stage of Q School. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because this is where, you know, this, I don't know why this doesn't get more coverage and why we don't get this on the networks and everything, because this is where the drama happens, because this is where that missed two foot putt costs you everything, literally yeah. everything. Jobs on the line at Q School every year. Big time. Uh, so they'll be doing the final stages of Q School at TPC Sawgrass Valley Course, which oh. we know kind we know kind of well. They're playing there and at Sawgrass Country Club right across the street, which, as we found out when we were at Sawgrass, is where they, they wanted to buy Sawgrass Country Club. That's a nice little nugget there. So I they built about that. TPC yeah. Sawgrass instead. So uh, they'll be doing 72 holes across both courses Thursday through Sunday. Top players get a PGA Tour card. So That's what it's go. all about. Changes your life instantly. Basically, basically, if so facto, makes you a millionaire. If you can just keep your I mean, card really, for one yeah. season on the on tour, yeah. you're a millionaire. It's amazing. That's right. But uh, all eyes will be on the PNC Championship because Tiger and Charlie are playing. And guess what, Alex? Mm. They're not going to win. <laughs> oh, hot take. Jeez. Hot take. Yeah. Look, Charlie can be as good as he wants to be. Tiger just is not going to be able to play well enough to win this. I really hope VJ and his son don't repeat. My money now, <laughs> yes. my money right now is on John. Uh, is is on not John Team Daly. No, nah, you know John Daly, baby. But I'm I'm actually going to go way off course here, and I'm going to say that my money is on Bernard Longer and his son Jason. That would be fun, actually. I mean, they've yeah. kind of contended in this event in recent years. I don't think they've won it in, in a few years, but um, I know he's won it with a different son. Bernard Langer has, so he's like mm -hmm. he's like trying to get the whole family a win in this tournament. So that could be something to watch. Yeah, the team JD obviously going to be one of the favorites. John Daly and John Daly Jr. always fun to watch. The Sings do defend. As as for Charlie, it sounds like you think that Charlie is going to be carrying Dad this week in the final. I think time. he's that been carrying Dad for the last <laughs> couple <of> years here. <laughs> <laughs> this is only their fourth time playing in this event, but I feel like Charlie's been carrying Tiger for years. So <laughs> yeah, so and just so people don't know, Charlie Woods, son of Tiger, he, he's now a high schooler. Team won the uh, high school state championship. We we follow this kid like he's the second coming of Jesus Christ because he's Tiger Woods' son. So there's an, a, a, a world of pressure on him. But he's carving out a very nice little junior career for himself. Tiger's been caddying for him, and this is this is kind of their annual fifth major. So it'll just be good to see Tiger out there with a smile on his face, and, and hopefully he gets through another 17 holes walking just fine. All right, let's uh, get to the turn. And this week's guest, Alex, you mentioned that uh, your visit to uh, Lago Vista in Texas. Yes, sir. Lago Vista, a.k.a. Week. Lakeview. Yep, that's, that's right. right. Uh, and uh, during that visit, you found our next guest barbecue joint. And this guy also happens to be a former NFL star. It seems like we're hitting all the boxes here. Is that not, that's not like the most typical, like Alex guest for Course of Light, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was golfing and then I found this barbecue place with slot machines and interviewed a former NFL player. Like that is, ex that's the, the, the perfect definition for how we find guests on the show. Um, but of course I love the network that I've got here in Texas and that's right. Cedric Griffin, former NFLer and national champion. Like, I mean, this guy delivered some of the biggest hits in the NFL, I remember. And we got to just chop it up with him and talk all things football and barbecue. It doesn't get much better than this. That's right. We'll get to that conversation with Cedric Griffin in just a second. But first, let's talk to you about the Live Take app. This has become one of our, one of our favorite apps, I think, on our phone, Alex, because it's where you can go and tell the world what you think about something in the world of sports. You can argue it with somebody else like we do every week, and then you can let the internet validate or invalidate your opinion. 
And it just is either incredibly and totally uh, a positive experience or it's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, it's feast or famine on the internet. The internet's ruthless. So that's the best part about live take is it's ruthless in its own wonderful way. You get your takeout and then just the people out there, they view the take and they vote on it. So we see who's actually right and wrong, not your little ecosystem and your little friends on, on the couch in your living room who always have the same opinions about everything. Uh, we throw our takes up there for everyone to see. Uh, take a quick look, Mike, cause I know that you and yep. I, we had the golf roll ball rollback yeah. debate. I can tell you, I got her. I got right here are you for or against rolling back the golf ball you were adamant that they should not do it but the people agree with me we should be rolling back the golf ball god jesus well that annoys me but i'm I'm the only way to fight back is to get a win of my own this week so 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 everyone check out the live take app and download because that's that's where you can find us debating in addition to the podcast that's right. We're on there at COL Podcast, Michael, COL Podcast, Alex. It's live take. Get it in your app store today and let your take be heard. Next up, he's living right here in Central Texas, where I am. He's a seven-year NFL vet that was part of the University of Texas National Championship team from 2005. But I actually got connected to him through his barbecue. We'll get into that and more. It's Cedric Griffin joining us on the podcast. Cedric, welcome and hook him. How you doing? I'm doing well, Alex. I appreciate you having me on. And it's always good to talk football and barbecue. So it's, it's, it's a good deal for sure. Absolutely. The the two staples here in Texas. I, I'm originally from the North, Cedric, but I've been in Texas 13 years. So that's long enough to know that football and barbecue will, will take you a long way in the state. <laughs> that, that's right. And, and I guess I guess you I guess you texting now, so you've been thirteen years. That that for sure gives you some credentials. Thank you for for counting that a little bit. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I wanted to specifically actually wait and chat with you because I was hoping the Longhorns would get their shot in the final four in the four-team playoff. And thankfully they did. The Horns selected as the three seed uh, in the upcoming playoff. Um, what was your initial reaction to to seeing them get in the playoffs this past weekend? Um, I was pleased. I was happy. Uh, it's been a long time coming since we've been, you know, 10 and one, uh, 11 and one, whatever they are right now. I know they only lost one game. Um, and that's always the key. Like what we always talked about when I was playing, if, as long as we beat Oklahoma, uh, we're going to, we, we're, you know, we're going to be playing for the next championship, but they lost Oklahoma, but luckily, um, they beat Alabama and, and it had some pretty good, you know, uh, scheduled games in there. So, um, I was pleased. I'm happy. I'm happy that I get to continue to watch them uh, play and play for championship possibly. Absolutely. So I guess looking ahead to that game real quick before we talk about your career at Texas, uh, the Texas defense from your DB's perspective against Michael Penix Jr., who's one of the Heisman finalists. Uh, We'll find out if he won that by the time this airs. But what do you think the keys are for that defense, mainly against a quarterback and offense like that? It's I've been saying it all year and and they've been doing it, you know, close uh, the latter part of the season is is disrupting timing with the receivers and, and making it hard on the quarterback, you know, to, uh, for, for the receiver and the quarterback to, to be on time. Um, that we got a great pass rush, we got we got a great run stop uh, support on on our team. So uh, making teams one dimensional and then pressing guys at the line um, and making it you know uh, hard for the quarterback to, to stick the ball into those tight windows. I think that'll be that's going to be the key is to get your hands on the receivers, bump them early, be aggressive, and stay on them all night. Yeah, I think that's really the key. Definitely setting that tone for sure. So hopefully we see that early and often for the for the Horns defense as it pertains to this playoffs. I know when you played, it was a little bit different. It wasn't a four team. It's about to be a 12 team playoff. It was just straight up one versus two. It was Texas versus USC. There probably couldn't be any more hype around that game than you could ever imagine for a college football game. But tell me a little bit about some of your favorite memories in the build up to that game specifically. Yeah, it was just really just the memories of just the the the, the off season, the preseason, just the guys. Um, we built we built bonds. We, we was you know I tell people all the time like you know we went to movies and we had dinners together. We you know we, we went out together. We did everything together. So we built up little, some some uh, camaraderie, um, and we knew each other. We we knew we liked to do on the field. We knew if I was gonna make a bad play, I know somebody was gonna catch me over over the top, one of my safety. So. Uh, we trusted one another, and I think that goes a long way in football, in in, uh, in team sports. If you have trust in, in your teammate, and um, you can pretty much play blind because you know your teammate's going to back you up if you make a mistake, and vice versa, you, you can back your teammate up if he makes a mistake or she makes a mistake. So 
Um, that was our big deal going up in 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 uh, from that USC game. We just had a really strong bond. Uh, we had team meetings, and uh, the coaches allowed the players to, to speak up and talk and talk about their experiences and talk about what's going on. So uh, it was an open door policy Coach Brown had at, at, at that time, and um, it just you know it allowed us to be vulnerable and allowed us to you know to, to trust one another and depend on one another. And um, those are my fondest memories of just a brotherhood. You know, we did, we did everything together that, you know, those two years. Yeah. Uh, and from back to back Rose Bowls. That was an unbelievable way to cap it off. Uh, obviously one of the most highlight filled games in college football history. And honestly, I don't know how much you travel through the Austin airport, but they just have that game on repeat at the, at the Austin yeah. airport gift shop. You ever, you ever see that walking by when you're yeah. flying somewhere? Uh huh. I have. I, have. <laughs> I, I, I get. I get random texts and calls from people saying they they see the game and and, and they see, they seeing a little snippet of me running across the screen and stuff like that. So um, it, it's good. It's good to be kind of um, memorized like that because it's 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 on nonstop repeat on t- on a Longhorn network and uh, like saying in the airport as well. So um, it still feels good to kind of. To kind of you know be be out there in, in people's minds, so it's, it's a good deal. There's a lot of highlight plays I mentioned in that game. The one that's sticking out for you though, Cedric, is that hit that you delivered down the sidelines on Reggie Bush. Tell everyone what you what you kind of saw in that play specifically. Yeah, so I mean, I believe that play we we, we was in like a, a two read uh, a couple four, and it, it kind of um, it was man to man. If I had one receiver to my side, and then I could pull off. So. I believe I had my man uh, going across the field, and I seen Reggie slipping out. I knew Drew, uh, he was our safety at the time. Um, Drew was, was responsible for anybody kicking out or, okay. or doing a real a, a real uh, route. Uh, so I just kind of spent out my man. I seen the ball was, was being thrown, and I just went over there and, and tried to let, you know, try to lay, lay a big hit. That was my role, you know, in in, in our defense. You know, I, I was good in man coverage. I was good in bump and run coverage. Um, so I was I was a guy that was always kind of disrupting uh, timing. And, but then I also was that kind of that, um, as Coach Keena called it, the big bad wolf in the middle. I didn't mind hitting people. You know, I didn't mind putting my body in danger um, and, and kind of setting that tone, you know, for, for our team. And our team responded, you know, every time I had a, had a big hit or, um, we, we, we made something happen on defense. So I think, you know, honestly, you know, we, we, you know, it's just, it's old saying, right. Cliche, right. Oh, defensive win championships. But I think that's very true. Uh, the offense scores points, but if we don't allow any points to be scored, you know, that's how we, that's how we win games. And, and if we intimidate other guys, right. That's also how we win games because they're not going to be running the offense in full steam. Yeah, you got that necessary stop and those stops against the USC offense when it mattered, man. You, you were a big part of that game. And obviously, your your energy was infectious on the field that showed. And and that winning, winning moment when you see VY get to the corner and, and the clock hit zeros. What, what was the thought when the win was complete? Who were you thinking of in that moment, a championship victory? Man, I, I don't know who I was thinking of, but I was just glad that, you know, that we won. Because uh, coming into Texas, I told Cody Brown on my recruiting trip, that um, I picked you know, the University of Texas because I've seen a bunch of other four or five stars coming to Texas, and I wanted to compete. I wanted to be around the best to, to get myself better. And I told them that, we, that I wanted to win a championship here, and that's the only reason why I came to Texas because I thought you know it was a good some good um, some good recruits coming out that year. Um, and you know to finally actually like you know put my word and our our game together and, and come out with a victory in a in a national championship my senior year was just awesome. It just felt, it felt wonderful. It, it, it was very, very gratifying because, you know, you put all that hard work in, you put all those, those statements, you know, on paper or, or in the air or, uh, you know, you know, towards your, you know, your teammates and your coaches, and then you come through with it. So, um, it was good. I mean, it, it was a wonderful, win, wonderful victory. Uh, you know, and, and we have that memory forever. So, um, it's something that we can always, like you say, go back and watch and, and, and review it and just have that memory forever for life. Yeah, that path from beginning to ending your journey in Austin as a Longhorn is definitely a great story, and it and it continued through to your pro career as well too. Uh, you worked mm-hmm. through adversity in your rookie season and broke through in your second season, and you allowed the Vikings to make a long term commitment to you. Tell me a little bit about how you kind of handled the adversity throughout your NFL career to keep going for seven seasons. Yeah, I mean the the first year is your rookie year. I mean every rookie is gonna go through some adversity. Whether you know you've been a starter for like myself for four years at Texas, and then I go I go to you know the Minnesota, and I was 
Um, I was on special team duty, you know, for the first three, four, five games. Um, but you know, I, I just took, I stuck, I stuck out, and I, I kept, you know, playing with my hair on fire. Um, and just was, you know, always in the weight room, always in the, in the film, in, in the film room, just kind of trying to figure out how to get on the field. And I finally made that breakthrough. I think, I think uh, the Green Bay game, the second Green Bay game we, we played, I think week nine or week ten. And from that week, I started the rest of my career. Um, and it for, for that, it wasn't really adversity, but it was just the fact that you just had to put your head down and just go to work and treat it as a business. And know there was other guys that was coming in or guys that was there that was trying to take your job back from you. So you just had to be about your business. You had to find a routine and you had to stay in a routine. Um, and then I came, then, then I think, you know, after my, my big contract, um, I think I tore my ACL and coming from, and I was in an NFC championship game, one game away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, I remember. Uh, and so that was, that was really, really tough because, you know, we were so close. Um, and then I had a whole off season, just kind of think about losing championship game and tearing my ACL. So just rehabbing from that just was, you know, it was, it was, it was hard because that was my first real injury. Um, but I, I took it, I took it in stride and, and I came back and, you know, in six months, um, and regained my starting position. And then, you know, I think this third week of the, of the 2010 season, I ended up tearing my other ACL. Um, so it was, just, I just got hit. I just got the, I just got the injury bug, um, back to back. And, um, I love football enough to where I just wanted to you know, continue to commit, you know, to the Minnesota Vikings and commit to myself and, to, and commit to my family, uh, to rehab and get back in shape and, and do the necessary things in which I did. And I, I got, I got back healthy again, regained my starting position again, um, and went from there. Um, I think my last year with the Vikings was, you know, in 2012, um, I asked for my release because things just wasn't going right. Um, there's a coaching change. Um, and you know, I I, just, I I had to move move on from that situation. And I went to Washington D.C. Um, and and finished up my my last year there uh, with Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan and um, some some good coaches over there. That was the good beginning coaches. of a really great coaching tree that we see now in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, uh, uh, Sean McVay. I mean, I, it, was, it was a bunch of guys over there to be honest with you that was just kind of just um, do, running scout team and and. Uh, Kyle was a coordinator there, but, um, it was just a good deal, man. I, I, I've been, I've been around some good people. I've been around some tough situations, um, learned from every one of those situations. And I, I applied it to my life now. I applied to the way I coach kids and teach kids and, and raise my own kids. So, um, and, and I love sports and cause sports is all about adversity. You know, it's always going to be some ups and downs. It's never going to be a straight up shot. Um, and then if you're always thinking going to be straight up shot, that's when you gonna that's when, that's when it comes down on you. So. You just gotta be ready for the unexpected, man. You gotta train for the unexpected, um, and you just gotta, you know, train, you know, to, to be to be a winner. And that's kind of what I still in my kids, and my coach, and, and the kids I coach is we, whatever we do, we're gonna do it to the best of our ability, and we're gonna be excellent in doing that. And if we do all those things, you know, most likely, you know, we, we're gonna have a victory somewhere along the line. Very well said, indeed, man. I really appreciate you encapsulating the career. You, you speak honestly, and, and he's being humble out there. Cedric Griffin has a, has a cold collection of highlights on YouTube from his career, both with Minnesota and Washington. I want to just touch on a quick a hi, couple of highlights before we get to your coaching and barbecue talk here. Um, I want to ask quickly, uh, toughest wide receiver matchup you had in, in the league in seven years? Yeah, um... <clears throat> That question gets asked to me, and um, I would say my what, my rookie year it was Terry, it was uh, Tory Holt. Yep. Um, I was a rookie, obviously. He, I mean, he, he was a veteran, so he knew all the moves. Um, and so I mean, I, I just couldn't. And he and he was smaller than me, and he was shifty. Um, and but so I think he, he, I mean, he got me, you know, my my rookie year because I just I couldn't get my hands on him, and that was my big deal. My big deal was always I was good presser, and I, I was really good for just matching up with anybody because I was quick with my hands. Um, and I, and I had really good speed so I can stay with them, you know, even if they got me at the line, but, um, he didn't go off, you know, for a bunch of yards. Okay. I just good. Couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't press him. And that's what, that's what, that's what got me upset. Right. Um, the guy who got a lot of yards on me one day out of nowhere was, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, um, uh, a wide receiver from, um, from Ohio state, I think. Yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Um, and he was from, he was from, uh, we played the coach 
And I just didn't take the guy serious. And I'll just be completely honest with you. I didn't watch film on the guy. I just, you know, Anthony Gonzalez, who is that guy? I remember watching him in in the Holiday Bowl against Texas the previous year. And I really didn't think nothing of it, but I think he 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 was he was doing our DBs then, and I just kind of just over overlooked him. And man, he but came in, and I, I'm sure he got about eight receptions on me, about, about I'm sure 100 yards on me. And that's the first game I can remember, like a receiver going over 100 yards. I can't really remember too many receivers getting 100 yards on me, um, but that guy right there for sure um, got 100 yards, and and, and was just he was just routing me up, man. Just just he, he was quick out the line. Uh, and I just I didn't study him, you know. I went out there to you know just being athletic, but in the league, everyone is just like you. And if you're not prepared and you if you don't take everybody serious, you know they're gonna make a clown of you for sure. That's a good yeah. lesson. Good lesson in preparation for sure. Oh, no question. Yeah, <laughs> love that. Um, so you 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 had one specialty for sure, which I want to touch on, which is known in the stats category as the FF, the forced fumble. I want to ask what you had many of them in your career. There's a lot of highlights on there. What's your favorite forced fumble from your career? Ah oh, man, um, shucks, man. Uh, there's one. There's one in the, against the Saints and Marcus Colston that came to my mind from my memory. If you, if you okay, want to jog yeah. us on that, I, I remember. That, I think I was at Washington on that yep. game or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, at the end. That, yeah. that, that was a pretty good one because I mean that. I mean if. if if he catches that ball and 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 get that yardage, I mean they're they're right there in scoring position for sure, and that's and that's a different game. But I think we only beat them by like three or four points, um, in in that game, and it came down to Harry Mary, um, at the very end of the game, uh, and then and, and they didn't complete that. So, um, that I mean that probably was a pretty good one as well. But I I, I took joy in all my forced fumbles. I mean for me, I don't I don't have one highlight thing that I did over my career. I really enjoyed playing football that I just enjoyed my whole career. And I didn't really try to savor one specific play. Um, Cause I love hitting. I, I love getting interceptions. I love covering my guy. I, I love, I just love playing football and practicing and all that stuff. So um, it wasn't just one moment of my forced fumbles, but I made it a fact to make sure I went out to that ball all the time. And I got that from high school, honestly, like we practiced that so much in high school, just getting the ball out, you know, just that the hammer, um, the rip, um, and then the punch, we, we were doing that back in 99, 2000, 2001. Love that. You know, my coach, coach, uh, coach Randall. And that just stuck with me because I, I started doing that at Texas. As soon as I got to Texas, I, I was, all, I would always rap and punch, I always rake or always, you know, um, do a hammer, um, when I made a tackle. Um, and like I said, man, I, I was a kamikaze. I just went in there and just, <laughs> just delivered blows. And I, and I did, you know, I just, I love hitting, man. I, I didn't have no fear about my body, you know, and I think when you play fast and you don't have any fear, I think that's when you make the most plays. When you're trying to guess and, and time everything up, you know, you make a lot of mistakes and, and you miss tackles. So I would just, you know, I, I would always, I would always fly in there and, and get what I need to get. I like the, the rake and the hammer. I like those terms. Yeah. I haven't heard those yeah. enough. I appreciate that. So yeah, post-career, you mentioned it a little earlier, but uh, I want to hear, Cedric, about your coaching. And that's uh, actually when I connected with, with your friends and your colleagues at Smokehouse there, they talked a lot about your coaching. But tell me a little bit about how you're inspiring the youth here in Central Texas and coaching right now. Yeah, man. So tra- track, is, track is a passion of mine. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't run in college. Um, I wish I would have, you know, just looking back on it. Um, but I, that track was the first sport I participated in when I moved to Texas from Mississippi. And it gave me my foundation of stretching, being disciplined, um, and learning how to compete and being a winner. Um, because when I first got to Texas, I went to the junior Olympics in in Minnesota. Um, ironically, right. And I, Place I got I got eighth overall in, wow. in the four hundred. Okay. Um, at, 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 as a nine year old, um, and from that moment I knew I was good. I knew I could win. I knew I could compete, and I knew I could beat people. And that gave me so much confidence going into just everything that I did in life, and in, in football and sports. And I was always confident in my speed, confident in my in my skill set. Um, and so that's why now I coach track because track runs through every single last sport that you that you got. You need to be fast, you need to be explosive, and you need to be able to jump. You need to have power in all sports. And track, you know, they it it has that in in, in every in every aspect uh, for high jump, for long jump, for the four hundred, for the one hundred, for the two hundred. Um, and if you learn how to run those races, if you learn how to train, you learn how to eat the eat the right things, get sleep, 
prepare your body, get mentally up for, you know, for competition, um, learn the psychological, you know, uh, you know, a game of it. It will help you in everything else. And I think I wasn't afraid of big moments. I wasn't afraid of, of, of competition. I wasn't afraid of speed because I seen it. I seen it all. And I ran track all through my, my throughout my youth career. So I love coaching. Uh, and I, and I believe in it. I, I believe in it. I can teach somebody some speed. Um, I can help them in their other, in their other sports. So that's what I do now. I have a track club called North Shore Stars and we're out here in, La, in, out here in Laga Vista. And, um, I get kids coming from Marble Falls, from Burnett, um, uh, from Round Rock, uh, from Cedar Park. Very cool. And they come in and, um, and I, I train them. I got a couple other coaches now, finally, hopefully, uh, I get some more, but, um, uh, for a long time, it was just me coaching, you know, you know, 20, 25 kids at one time. But, um, I went to school, you know, in, for education. I got a, a, a little, a little, uh, major in, uh, applied learning and, um, what that is is just kind of organization skills. I, I was good at just kind of coming up with lesson plans, um, and organizing, um, you know, my, my classes or organizing, uh, my sports, um, uh, far as, as far as my practices. So I always had a game plan when, when I had more kids than, than I, than I can handle and I made it work. And, uh, I have a lot of kids that went on to nationals and, and, and got medals and, um, ran some really, really good PRs and, are in, in their in their tops in, in their field and in other sports, you know, when when they, when they leave me. So um it's a passion of mine, man. And so I, I wish and hope that um I can be that six year old coach, you know, for youth sports that's out there coaching track and keep learning uh, some, some some good nuggets out there from, from other coaches out there. Now it's great to hear what you're doing, North Shore Stars. That's really cool. And and I like I like what you said about how the athletic requirements for track really do carry over to a lot of other sports and it could build confidence for kids who are playing other sports to do track as well, too. Very well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. coaching by day and then barbecue by night is how I, I first got in touch with you. Um, I got to hear about just your earliest barbecue memories. And, and let's give some context for our, our national audience here, Cedric. I, I know what it's like barbecue in Central Texas, but where I grew up in New England, barbecue was some sad hot dogs and hamburgers in a charcoal yeah. grill that are done in 15 yeah. minutes. But it's a whole different game down here. So explain how you kind of first got introduced to, to barbecue being from the South and smoking meat well i have a one of my coaches on, on our on our uh, on our track club his name is daniel clements uh, he is from california uh and he said the same thing he said uh he went to a barbecue well he had a barbecue um and invited some of his texas his friends from, you know in the area like Vista here and they kind of made fun of him because he said the exact same thing what you said he had hot dogs <laughs> hamber- hamburgers and i think some chips and he's and, and uh, oh no, not the potato he, chips, Cedric. Yeah, and he did, and, and he just, I'm like, that's not barbecue, man. Like that's <laughs> that's, I don't know what that is. That that's you know, you put hot dog, in, you know, in a pot and boil them. Um, but the, yeah, that's not barbecue. Ham, ham, uh, hamburgers and hot dogs. But I mean, I, I've been barbecuing and cooking for a long time. Um, I I met I met a guy named Jerome. Uh, he's from the east side of Austin, and that's kind of where I got my I got, I got my cook from, honestly. Um, I learned how to you know. Uh, make a seasoning from Jerome. I learned how to cook my briskets, my ribs, my pulled pork, my, my beef ribs. I learned everything about barbecue. Um, the smoker, you know, I, honestly, you know, uh, from Jerome. And that was, you know, back in 2007, 2008 when I first met him. And I bought my first pit in 2009. And we, you know, late nights, you know, do, during the off season, um, I come back to Austin and, you know, after after late nights, you know, at the club, whatnot, or hanging out throughout the day, I will go home. I invite friends over, and we just we cooked all night. We we we'll cook every we 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 cook grits on the, on on the grill, chicken, steaks, hamburgers, just about everything. Love that. And I just got I just got in good with Jerome, and I, I you know Jerome was was passionate about opening up a little food trailer. Um, so I kind of I kind of helped him open up a food trailer, and then we got that started, got that running since 2015. Um, so we, we run that downtown and on, 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 east side of Austin. Um, and so now I kind of cut off from him and, and kind of let him do his thing now. Um, and I kind of know the brand of his food and, and his seasoning and with his blessing, obviously I, I went off and, um, introduced his, his, his cooking to, uh, to Brandon, who, who I'm working with now at the Smokehouse Cantina out here in Laga Vista. And we're doing now a Tex-Mex barbecue infused um dishes 
and it's working out. It's working out pretty dang on well. Um, Jerome brisket, which is now our brisket, right? I mean, it's 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 flavored. It's not just salt and pepper, you know. It's not just salt and pepper and 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 and, and serve it to your, you know your customers. We put different flavors, different seasons in in there, and we cook a, cer- a, a certain way to where it comes out, you know, tender, more tender than than anybody brisket around here. And I promise you that. But we just um, we we have passion, we have love for our food. Um, I sit right by, right there by that smoker, right right there by the hot box when I'm cooking my food, man. And um and I treat it like football, man. I I, I treat it like a passion. I, I want it to be perfect. Um, I want it to be the best. And for me, I love serving, man. I love helping people. I love trying to give my all. And 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 if someone can't you know do something, I want to find a way to help them. So it goes to my food. Like when I'm serving somebody my my brisket, like I want to make sure that's the best brisket they ever had. So I'm making sure that I'm taking my time. I'm not overcooking it. I'm spending the right amount of time with it. I'm seasoning. I'm seasoning the right way. So it's for me, it's an art. It's just like me learning how to press, how to jam, how to tackle, how to hit, um, how to force those fumbles. Um, everything that I do, I'm I'm going to be 100 involved in, and I'm going to try to do it to the best of my ability because I know if I give it to somebody, they're going to be rating me. You know, they they they're going to say, oh well, that's 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 eight, that's nine, that's five. I want a 10 every time, you know, someone touched that barbecue. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that that's tough, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a competitor, man. And, um, I was, I was, I'm an ex, you know, professional, you know, uh, ball player. So I take my competitiveness and I try to find the next thing, you know, which is, which is, you know, for me coaching right now and cooking, and I'm going to try to be the best of those two right now on a small level, obviously. Well said. Yeah. So I put some Instagram content up from my visit. I went to Smokehouse a couple weeks back. Uh, later this week, I'm going to be dropping a video with my full review there. Um, so I talked to Brandon and Carla. I played the slot. That's going to be an awesome video experience yeah. for our YouTube audience as well, too. Uh, so I had the brisket tacos the street taco version, and I had the street corn as well too. I'm not going to give my give away my review. I'll tell you after we're done with the interview. So we're gonna we're gonna let our audience wait on that. They were amazing though. Um, so nice. I, I'm curious. I'll shoot my shot real quick on the details. It, what what? How much of the recipe for the seasoning? How much is secret? How much is public? What what can you say? What can't you say? Well, I mean this this the seasoning. I mean, it's it's a it's a red seasoning. You know, so you know, it, you know, it's you, okay. know, you know, it's some type of you know, some type of pepper, some some type of red peppers in there. That That's one hint. Hand. Okay. That's one hint, right? Um, there, there's, there's also you know, you know, some some type of fruit juices in there as well. You know, and and I'm saying some type of yellow fruit juice. Okay. Uh, that 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 goes in there as well. So, um, and then you know, we we like to make it sweet in there as well. So we you know we add a little sweetness and sour, a little hotness in there. Um, so it, it has all the elements of, of some good, some, some good flavor, man, to be honest with you. So I, like I said, I, I don't like talking about my flavor because you give that flavor away and you find somebody who not to really cook like myself, you know, you, you can't stop me. <laughs> now you gave him a couple breadcrumbs. Yeah. It's okay. You gave him a couple right. hints. <laughs> so, but I, I, I won't do it. I won't do it. One reason why, because that's not my recipe to give away. It, it's Jerome's, uh, it, it's his family recipe. Um, so I, I mean, even I, I won't give it to Brandon or even if, if, if we, we end up, you know, kind of getting, getting big with this, I'm going to have to always make that seasoning and just have it pre and have it made for somebody who's going to come in and cook for us if, if it gets big like that. So I can't give it away because it's, it's Jerome's and, um, it's, it's a damn good recipe, honestly, so. Um, it, it's it's where we get that flavor from, man. Honestly, so love it. I had to ask for the people out there. I appreciate the answer, though. Yeah, uh, yeah we, 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 yep. I can't, I can't do it. We've been thinking about bottling it up and selling it, but yeah, um, one day it's it's it's, it's 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 a good season, man, for sure. Very you know? cool. Again, it's the Smokehouse Cantina. You can follow along on Instagram. Check out the food for yourself if you want to start salivating. Make your way out to Central Texas uh, and Lago Vista here and try Cedric's Barbecue. Let's do just a few quick questions before we wrap up here. Uh, you're out in Lago Vista. It's Lakeview, quite literally, by name and definition. So it's this is a water question for you, Cedric, on a day off. Are you doing a pool party or are you going a day on the boat on the lake? What's your choice? Yeah, so we, so, so my, my, my kids, they like the pools. Um, I'm a lake guy myself, so um, we, we, like, we like to get on the boats, on the pontoons. Um and, and 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 tie up sometimes and and back in the, back in my heyday we we used to always be out there on a boat in in our boathouses and just getting down and having fun for sure and and that that was some good times but now it's 
it's more of just kind of cruising with you know with the kids you know sometimes the kids friends and we, we get in the pontoons and we just cruise around i let the kids drive around so um it's more lake for me for sure I'm, i mean I, i'm not gonna live out here and i be in the water i love the water so it's it, it's the pool is it's, it's kind of nonsense to me honestly if, if you're thinking about it so i, I go straight to the, i go straight to the lake all right. The pool. Lake life all day. Love it. Okay. And then uh, coming up, we got holidays. We got Christmas. We got New Year. We got a lot of big football games to celebrate, yeah. too. Uh, I'm curious, do you have annual traditions around the holidays? Do you have specific meals or specific meats you make around on, around the holiday season? Nah, I don't have any traditions. I, I need to I need to get into some traditions, some family football traditions. Um, but I, I have I do not, um, you know, uh, when, when football comes on, I'm, I'm a 49ers fan, but, you know, um, from childhood. Um, and you know, okay. Kyle Shanahan is over there too, as well, right now. So, ex teammate, so I'm all about the 49ers, you know, like all, like all about them. So, I, I make sure that I, 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 I watch that game, uh, every Sunday and, and I try, I try to, I try to get to them. But, uh, I need to go to a Christmas game of the 49ers, you know, one year. So, I'm probably make another tradition. But, as far as the meats, nah, man, if, if the boys want rip my, well, my boys, they, they love my ribs. So I make ribs for them anytime they want, they, they, they want those. Um, so usually around the holidays is when I start making ribs for them. Love it. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. All right. Ribs it is for the holidays. Cedric, thank you so much for hopping on the Course of Life, man. Appreciate hearing your stories from football, coaching, and we'll be back to try more of the barbecue at Smokehouse as well. Thanks again. Man, Alex, I appreciate you having me on and, and kind of shining some light on the Smokehouse Cantina out there here in Longa Vista. And um, if yeah, if, if anybody's around, you know the Lago Vista area, Austin surrounding areas, it's a trip. It's a quick trip down 183 to 1431 West. Come on down and, and show and show some love and support to Texas X. Course of Life podcast is brought to you by Zencaster. We've been using Zencaster here since almost the very beginning as how Alex and I record this podcast from hundreds of miles away. And it provides us with great quality audio that works every time. And it's something that makes Course of Life what it is and has kept us being able to make consistent episodes every week. And now it's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. You record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. You feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. And have you ever wondered what you actually sound like? Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recording. It removes those awkward pauses in conversation too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with the click of a button. Head on over to Zencaster.com pricing and use our promo code COURSEOFLIFE to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. Again, that's Zencaster.com slash pricing and our promo code course of life. Zencaster, it's time to share your story. We're back. Great chat there with Cedric. Love to hear that he's living what could be everyone's best life mm, right now. Yeah, that's a good post-retirement I mean, vibe for an NFLer like Cedric Griffin. Coaching the kids up, got the beautiful Lakeview life and, and barbecue. Because, of course, when you're in course. Texas, you're into barbecue. And yeah. I got to say, I won't spoil too much from the video. It comes out Friday again on YouTube. I had what may be a top five taco ever in Austin. And that's huge, mm. huge praise. And it came from his barbecued meats. So wow. uh, check that out in the video coming out this Friday. But it was an honor to have his barbecue. Chop it up about the national champion too. National champion, NFL. And I, I got to say, now that we're posting these hits from Cedric's career, 
you know, Mike, I, I know the concussions, you know, are a real thing. You know, we're trying to be safe out there. But boy, that old NFL, when you could just lay somebody flat on the ground. <laughs> I, I, I missed that brand of football. So it was, it was yeah. good, to, good, good to relive the glory days from Cedric's highlight reel on YouTube if you want to do that as well. And if you like that conversation with Cedric, plus everything else we do here on this podcast, make sure you punch that subscribe button. Leave us a rating of a uh, exponentially increasing number of stars. Uh, leave us a review if you feel so inclined, telling us how yep. great we are or how horrible we are. That's okay, too. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Threads, COL Podcast, Course of Life, Alex, M-W-R-I-N-C. We're on Twitter slash X2. Well, you're on Twitter. I'm not over there. I'm not doing anything over there anymore. It's I'm still sorry. crazy over there. I'm you're not, you're not, I'm not missing much, it. but it's still just as crazy as you remember it. That's right. He's Course of Life 1 on Twitter slash X. Of course, we're on YouTube. We talk about it all the time now. See you all podcast. Course of Life podcast over there. Just search us and you'll find us. Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio. If you're not following us on one of those apps to get your podcast, if you're listening on your own podcast app, you can do that too. Uh, and of course, there's Always End with Food. That's where we post all of our food stuff as well like these amazing tacos that Alex is talking about. Yes, yes, sir. So make sure you check that out. Let's get into the back nine, Alex, and let's yep. talk basketball. It's been a while since we've talked basketball. That's because it was the in-season tournament, the NBA Cup in Las Vegas mm-hmm. in the sphere. Yep. The Lakers and LeBron James won it. Do we care? Another title for the LeBron fans out there, basically. I think they count this one with the bubble championship, too. You know, (laughs) this probably counts the same for for the LeBron fans out there. In a word, um, I don't care that the Lakers won, but the spectacle itself went off without a hitch and did seem to be a success. It had me, the casual NBA Celtics fan, drawn into some regular season games I normally wouldn't have been. So for that purpose, it was nice. And obviously for those NBAers who make it to the Final Four, they get they get that free partying weekend out in Vegas. You, you can't put a price on that if you're in the NBA. So uh, Yeah, and, and I, I think I heard that the NBA actually had a bigger – a bonus pool of cash available for the NBA Cup than they do have for the NBA Finals. Yes, I believe that. And I could tell when the Pacers beat the Celtics to get to the Final Four how much they all needed that bonus on the team. I know these guys are living <laughs> well, but they were after that money. So when the motivation's right and Vegas is on the line, uh, you can get some great basketball. So overall, I, I while I would love to poo-poo LeBron James, and I do so at any corner because of our, our past rivalries as a Celtics fan, um, it's probably a little bit of a notch in his belt that they won the first. Uh, So shout out to the Lakers for getting it done in Vegas. All right, let's talk college football. Of course, last week, you and Diane talked about the Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas final four. Yeah, the horns, they made it in. We weren't sure if they were going to here in Austin, but big win in the big 12 championship game. So we're all just looking forward to, to new year's day for those two semifinals. And we can finally say it. I don't think I've ever been able to say in the history of this podcast, Texas is back. <laughs> I haven't been able to say that, but Texas you is kept, back. You yeah. kept wanting to say it, but you just couldn't say it. So They're back. my, yeah. my, my question though is, and this is where I'm, I'm struggling as someone who's currently living in the state of Georgia, mm-hmm. where the two time defending champions reside. Yes. You lose to Alabama and you get kicked out because of that one game. Tough, tough I draw. Mean, yeah, I, two two really? tough, tough draws for Georgia in that spot. You know, losing one game in three years and not being part of this playoff. I yeah. know they're just looking at this year's report card. And then Florida State going unbeaten. They lost their star quarterback, but they did everything they could. They won every game on the schedule and won their conference, and they weren't in either. So a very tricky uh, fourteen playoff to get in. But again, it's the last one. We expand to twelve teams next season. So anyone who's griping right now, the gripe's over. And twelve teams will be in. No, we're, next year. we're still going to gripe next year about <laughs> team thirteen and fourteen that didn't get yep, in. So I'm going we'll to be bickering about but wh- why Liberty got in over James Madison in the number twelve spot <laughs> no, next no, year. I can't let's wait. Let's face that. it; it's going to be the entirety of the SEC <laughs> yes. and then a couple other teams in this. So <laughs> yes, more realistic. That's going to be the playoffs. Yes. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so bowl season is here. Forty two games. Mm, yes. And Mike, I had the job of writing, thanks to my friends at Splash Sports, I had to come up with an original thought for every single one. How's that, how's that for a tough piece to write? <laughs> uh, well, what was which, which game was the hardest? Was it the Georgia Southern game? <laughs> yeah, right. Georgia Southern, your, your Eagles are leading off bowl season, freaking 11 yeah. o'clock in the morning on Saturday. <laughs> um, the famous Toastery Bowl. 
That was a, that's a tricky one to come up with a lot. It's a new bowl sponsor alert right there. Um, God, we get all sorts of avocados from Mexico bowl. There's all sorts of random ones on your schedule, but just know that bowl mania is about to commence starting bright and early on Saturday. Look, the one I just always remember is a Hawaii bowl late on what Christmas Eve. Typically, are you ready um, for me to break your heart? Oh no. The Hawaii bowl has moved from Christmas Eve, 8 PM to Festivus 1030 at night. How horrible is that? That's atrocious. I know. I'm just as offended as you are. Ugh. Yep. I, I mean, know. It, Festivus should have no football games going on. That is so <laughs> anti-Festivus in every way. And a good tease <laughs> to remind you, well, maybe we should get in a little airing of Grievous next week, but we'll do the official Festivus rap episode in two weeks for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we will indeed. All right, let's talk the NFL uh, because, Alex, how, how are you feeling? Your Patriots won a football game, man. Look not, at that. Not one. <laughs> Not two, but three touchdowns. Wow! In one game. Oh, we, oh yeah, they yeah. did it all in one game. I forgot to say that. That's an important yeah. caveat. After after losing <laughs> what three games in the season with and allowing the other team to score ten points or less, yes. the first time that's ever happened in the NFL. <laughs> Amazingly bad is, is the way I like to yeah. put that stat line right there for the Pats defense. But yes, the Patriots get their third win. They're still, still lined up to maybe get that number two pick in the draft. Uh, Giants are Monday nights. So we won't comment there. But uh, overall, just, you know, living life in the cellar. You got to take all these wins when you can get them. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm getting yeah. it now. The wins are few and far between. So when they do happen, you, you really do need to celebrate them. You, yeah, do, you, have you really to, do. So. You really do. You really do. Uh, speaking of wins to celebrate, let's talk hmm. baseball real fast because the Otani sweepstakes is over. He's going to the Dodgers for seven hundred million dollars over ten years. The highest paid athlete in American sports. Well, more than John Rahm is getting paid by Piff. Oh, so nice dig. Figure that one out. And his annual salary of $70 million a year will be more than the opening day payroll of several teams from last year, including the Orioles and the uh, and the A's. I think you could put the A's twice hmm. into Otani's contract. Several teams, as in the entire yes. team's payroll. Is what, yes. is what you're getting at there. Just the to entire that. team's <laughs> opening day payroll is less than what Otani will make in one year. Absolutely <laughs> absurd. Otani, you know, not even going to pitch this upcoming season no. because of the injury. Yeah. So you're getting him just as a hitter for year one. But the Dodgers are just that team now, Mike. Honestly, the Dodgers are are taking all those Yankees versus Red Sox free agency vibes that you and I have yeah. known for so long. They just get all the big fish these days. And then they lose, and then they lose in the postseason. Mm, yep, well, it's the irony of baseball. Very, very Yankees from the 2010s. Interesting, interesting <laughs> how that does work. Yes, yeah. shout out, shout out, Charlie Otani, man, got got the got every single last dollar he could up there. Well done. It's just crazy. But for now, let's hashtag always end with food. Yep, always end with food on Instagram. It's our 19th hole here, wrapping up the podcast. And it was date night this past weekend. Uh, I'm gonna, you're gonna love this deal. Because I know mm. you, I know you love a good deal and you love a good I date do. night experience. Okay. Yep. So this is Deluca Gaucho. It is a Rodizio style pizza experience. So basically, think you know you're going to a upscale pizza place where you sit down, nice sit down restaurant, but you're getting served like it's Fogo de Chao. So it's just endless pizza coming around and around and around. So it's endless pizza, savory and dessert pizzas. I mind you, mm. endless salad. Lobster bis soup, side oh. of meatballs, twenty four ninety five per person. How great is like, that deal? Unlimited? Like you can just sit there and eat till you till you die, or forever. like and, forever. Oh, wow. They did. They would not stop bringing the pizzas. I saw every single one on the menu, with the exception of about one. Go by our table. Probably had at least six or seven slices, and then the banana flambe pizza, the Nutella pizza. I mean. Mm. They they pull out all the stops there. So if you're looking for an interesting experience in Austin or if or, or just in any city where you are, if you can find a Rodizio style pizza experience, basically think you're going to Fogo to Chow, except it's just an endless carousel of pizza. It was an amazing date night. I, I need to pick myself off the floor after that. Yeah, uh, seriously. That 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 <laughs> whole story Did I mention there, I gained ten crazy. pounds since last episode as well, too? I, I would think you would have done it just in that one sitting in that <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> that good thing you're not lactose intolerant, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
did, did you have your date night during Hanukkah? Did it start uh, Thursday night or later? During yeah, Hanukkah? third night, boss. It was night three. Yeah, yeah we're, 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 by the time our audience is hearing this, we're, we're, we're on the final nights of Hanukkah here. We are. We're in the we're in the home stretch of the eight crazy nights, and uh, of course that meant it was that one time of year when I when I bust out the grater and we make some potato latkes because yes, you got it. You got to yes, make yes, latkes. Yes. You got to fry stuff for Hanukkah. You got to fry stuff. That's what we do because the oil lasted for eight days instead of just one. So you fry some stuff. So we had latkes, uh, and and the new way to eat latkes, which I've never really done before, and we finally did it: little sour cream and a and a and a slice of uh, smoked salmon. It's fantastic. Oh, whoa. I thought yeah. you were going to go like in a nacho direction when you said sour no. cream, but you said salmon too. Wow. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of like the, the traditional is latkes and applesauce. Very I'm traditional. Not, yep. I'm not a fan of that. Surprise. Sour huh? cream I can get on board with all day. But this year I was like, you know what? You keep seeing these things out there where you, you smoke salmon on it too. So put a little smoked salmon on there. Makes it real bougie, you know? Love that. So Tip that of the was, day was right great. there. Smoke salmon on the latka for Hanukkah. Happy holidays out there to everyone. That was Always End With Food and another wrap on a great Course of Life podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe right now as we sign off. We'll see you next week. Bye.